welcome to yet another edition of Comfortably Unnumb, the official podcast of the Umbrella Society. My name is Blake Anderson, the program's manager here at the Umbrella Society and the host of this program. Coming to you from beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, on the traditional unceded territories of the Lekongwen-speaking peoples. And this, folks, is the first podcast of 2024. I really hope everybody had a happy and healthy holiday season. Um, I, I know uh, for myself, this is a bit of a hard stretch with the cold weather it's been upon us for a while, uh, the shorter days. Um, in our stretch of the world, definitely uh, those that gray uh, weather can feel fairly oppressive. Um, so this is the time of year where I'm just, I lean into the grind a bit, knowing that longer, warmer days are ahead. Um, this is definitely not a time of year where I try to make big, lofty decisions. Um, I feel like come the spring, uh, all my decisions have such a higher degree of optimism. So this right now is just just getting through the days and uh, and grinding it out. So um, and you know today I was actually biking to work and a beautiful uh, sun just popped out and uh, man what a difference that makes for for me and and my mood. So, anyways, hoping for more of those coming up. Um, I'm just going to take a second to talk about another role I have here um, at Umbrella Society. So um, uh, another aspect of my portfolio is looking after groups and trying to coordinate groups. Um, at Umbrella, we're really trying our best to um, have a wide range of group offerings and programming uh, for individuals, knowing that there's just not enough outpatient supports um, uh, in, in our community and knowing that that connection piece and bringing people together uh, to discuss recovery in, in so many different aspects is is a really important piece to someone's recovery. So um, for us, we're really trying our best to, uh, you know, be as comprehensive as we can. So one of our uh, most extensive groups, I guess our most extensive group is a program called uh, Comfortably and Numb, incidentally. That's actually where the name of this podcast came from. Uh, we thought it was such a good name. Uh, that we just booted over to the podcast. Um, so this is a one-month uh, intensive psychosocial group for individuals in early recovery or on the precipice of recovery, so people that are really motivated to make that change in their substance use. Uh, four mornings a week for a month, participants come together to learn and discuss comprehensive interventions and topics. Uh, we have a different facilitator every day, and most of our facilitators are umbrella employees who are in recovery themselves, and those who aren't in recovery have been in this field for a long time. The philosophy being that our participants hear about recovery through so many lenses that it helps them craft a recovery program that's going to work for them. Um, you know, our, our thought is that recovery is not a one-size-fits-all model, and that individuals need to identify and practice interventions and supports that really work for them. Um, so this comprehensive model has really worked for the program. We have had such a great group of facilitators and presenters. Um, we do bring in a few outside presenters to come into this program. And one of our favorites is a fellow by the name of Bill Israel. Um, Bill is part of an intensive journaling program, which originated in the 1970s in the United States. This program um, was initially designed for corporate retreats, but Bill has taken this concept and applied it to supporting individuals experiencing profound trauma and substance use. Bill has taken these intensive multi-day courses and broken them up into two-hour programs running over multiple weeks. Um, and Bill has run this program uh, in, in the jails, in, uh, in the jail system um, in, in the Lower Island, um, at New Roads Therapeutic Recovery Center, at the ARC program at Salvation Army, uh, for family fair, uh, for, sorry, family uh, caregivers to support workers. Um, and Bill has had incredible success running this intensive journaling program, not only as a one-time workshop through Comfortably Unnumb, but a longer-term program here at Umbrella on Monday nights. Um, the response people have had to this program has been absolutely tremendous. I would speak more about it, but I will let Bill do this as he is the guest on today's program. Um, I am so excited to have Bill here as he shares his personal connection uh, to this program and why he feels this approach has been so successful. Um, and I'm also really happy to have Bill here as he's just such an engaging and warm person to talk to. You'll definitely see what I mean. All right, Bill. Thanks so much for coming in. To the, uh, yeah, it's been a long time that I've wanted to get you on this podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've had such a great relationship. I guess it's been yeah. is it close to two years now. Yeah, really. Working together. Yeah, it, it, uh, when I stop and think about it, it's surprising. It's, we've been at this for a while now. That's right. Which and, is great. You know, so, yeah, Bill comes into our, our Comfortably Unnumb program and uh, does intensive journaling, uh, you know, little mini workshops with us there. Um, and then he also has been running 
the intensive journaling programs uh, with us. He actually started with uh, folks from F Foundation House, and uh, yeah. you know, it's a little trial run, and, and then it's been working just with uh, with other members of the community, and uh, just absolutely, you know, unbelievable success in this program. Mm. And uh, yeah. you know, the the reviews, you know, from the participants that are taking this program are, you know, really making a profound impact in people's lives. So that's yeah, and that's that's a, a wonderful thing to see, and that doesn't always happen, you know, especially. Right with folks who have had severe difficulties in their life, you know, to come in and uh, fairly quickly begin to open their hearts a little bit. Right. But uh, as we'll talk about, it's, it's really in the peer support concept that I think uh, is the secret to this, as well as the structure of the workshop itself, which we right. can talk about. Yeah, well, and, and you know, I, I think too, you know, it's, it's, it's safe for me to say, you know, there's, there's something about your, uh, your character and your, your personality and your, your genuine interest and, and, um, uh, compassion for, for people. You know, I, I think yeah. that's, you know, I think a lot, lot of it is the program's great, but it's also, uh, you know, what you bring to the table is it's really something special. So we're just really glad to have you and sure. I appreciate you coming in. It's a really cool day outside and, uh, you know, my office isn't great for heat. So we're, we're having this, uh, this chat and a bit of a meat locker here, but, um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll make it work. And, uh, like for I said, sure. yeah, really appreciate you coming in. Yeah. Um, and I, we're going to dive into, what the intensive journaling program, you know, entails and, and what it looks like and, and also how you've really, you know, adapted this to, to meet the needs of, of you know, uh, the population of people that we serve. For sure. Um, but I would love to just get a bit of a backstory and hear like this, this program and has had a profound impact on your life personally. And it has. Um, I, I'd love to hear how did you get introduced to intensive journaling and, and where did this come about in your life and what, what changes did it make in your life? Um. Yeah, great question. Um, and it goes way back, you know, sure, yeah, uh, love it. Uh, when I uh, graduated seminary uh, back in the uh, late 1960s, um, I was headed for a, uh, a, a, a vocation as a, a United Methodist minister. Okay. And I got myself ordained and and things were looking rosy, and I was ready to change the world. And right. and then, uh, as things unfolded, um, my life came apart in some ways that were very uncomfortable for me. Right. Um, uh, I got uh, myself into some quote unquote firebrand kind of troubles because I right. was uh, a pretty liberal guy. You know, I was. Uh, 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 an anti-Vietnam War activist and mm -hmm. was uh, heavily involved with uh, civil rights in my community. And uh, because it was a very conservative state, I, I, I am an American, mm -hmm. uh, I'm also a Canadian citizen, but uh, in the environment, the, the, those things weren't tolerated. You know? okay. So I had to start shifting gears. Well, as it turned out, um, some more personal things began to happen. I was divorced and, mm -hmm. and went through a fairly nasty uh, scenario uh, with custody of my child and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, so my experience with the intensive journal grew out of very similar circumstances that a lot of people we now see. Suddenly, uh, my life trajectory was in jeopardy and I was having to pivot in a number mm -hmm. of ways and find new work, really. Right. Um, and so I found the intensive journal process through um, a fellow clergyman uh, who was also having struggles. Uh, right. And it was, the program was brand new. This was back in 1972. It was uh, just coming onto the market. I had had some experience with uh, counseling. I'd gone to psychotherapy um, mm -hmm. and was working with a psychiatrist. And neither of those seemed to be effective for me. Okay. So I sat in this first workshop and started doing this writing, as we'll describe here in a few moments, um, and a whole new way of looking at how therapeutic healing takes place began to dawn on me that it okay. was about the, tr the truth I'm telling to myself and the, and the honesty required and the importance of peer support in that mm. process. Um, so, yeah, I think um, some of the p 
participants in the in the workshops we do can detect that that I've had my own troubles here, and mm-hmm. I'm not here to teach them anything or to lecture them. <laughs> right, uh, right. I'm here to listen, and they get that. They right. get that. So uh, I, I make an immediate uh, contact, uh, which I, I I appreciate. Right. Um, but it's highly personal, and, and this is some of the difficulty we have with living in a diagnostic medical culture mm-hmm. where diagnosis is the uh, is kind of the clue. Right. Uh, and it doesn't always work for everybody, you know, that uh, I'm trying to tell my story as best I can to my therapist, mm-hmm. and they're not getting it. Right. They're wanting to put you in a box, essentially. and uh, Exactly. Right. And, right. S- and then the labeling starts. You know, I get right. my diagnostic categories. And lo and behold, it's only a bunch of symptoms that I already knew about. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Hey, wait a minute. No, this isn't working for me. And that's the experience I had is I kind of knew what I needed, but I was struggling to find a way to address it. Right. Okay. So this workshop process was was new to me because I'd always done counseling as a pastor, one on one, and right. sometimes with couples, and uh, so it was a revelation to begin to see that what people really yearn for is an environment to be able to be truthful with themselves first, right? right. And that requires a significant level of trust uh, that you must now. Uh, quote-unquote, cough-up thing that right. you may have difficulty explaining to a counselor sure. or to a therapist. Um, so it was a revelation to me that how in the world is this happening when I'm able to speak to these people in my group because they were peers. Mm-hmm. They were all bringing their own vulnerability about their life into right. this environment. And so, as we'll talk about a little bit, the writing structure itself helps helps right. the participants to move gently but firmly uh, and openly but privately right. into their own life story, um, right. m- much of which is shameful, uh, painful, mm. and often loaded with grief. Uh, right. And so um, sitting trying to explain this to somebody and then let them simply respond to you with a diagnosis, right? you know, you go, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. This isn't helping. Right. Uh, right. I need something else. So, so when you, when you first did this workshop, was it almost like an immediate, like, wow, this, you know, this is what I need. And, and, it, or did it take some time? It took a little time. That right. Is, um, um, as we'll talk about in a little bit, I've made some adaptations in the, in the program as we're dealing with specific client groups, um, prisoners, uh, folks suffering from addiction, Mm -hmm. family care, isolated family caregivers. So what happened in this environment was, um, first of all, here I was in an environment carrying my own shame about my failed ministry, you know, in my failing life, Mm -hmm. indeed. So... um, the first thing that was appealing to me was I was given this workbook binder that had a bunch of tabs in it, and they were all empty. Right. <laughs> and we were going to do this over a weekend. We were going to take two days to do this and start writing now and with some specific uh, writing prompts. Um, all of a sudden, it was very different. I wasn't talking to anybody. Um, I was sitting in this room with 10 other people. Mm-hmm. We all had our pencils and our binders. And we wrote for sort of 10, 15 minute intervals. Right. And then there was no chat about it. We just went on to the next writing prompt. I'm going, okay. whoa, <laughs> this is unusual. Right. Usually in a group process, there's a lot of crosstalk and right. chitter chatter. Yeah. 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 This is like get down to business. None yeah. of that. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> so uh, it was very appealing, you know, that here I was given the opportunity to clarify in my own heart and on paper things that I needed to face and and deal with um, without saying anything yet. Mm. That I would have the opportunity eventually to do some reading about what I had put on paper. But it was such a relief and such a revelation that as I began writing and everything's done by hand, 
other pieces of my narrative began to appear that I had been ignoring. Okay. Uh, either out of shame, I was unable to share with a therapist. Yeah. But now it was time to, um, uh, Dr. Progoff, the inventor of the program, said, um, this is very private uh, and very intimate, mm. um, but work you can't do by yourself. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that writing began to illuminate that. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, it is very private, but here I am in this group. I'm not by myself. Right. So we'll get so, into some details. So just by b other people being there, do you, you felt that support? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, the, the outside of the program, you're sitting in a room, you know uh, people who have come here out of some courage mm -hmm. um, with the expectation that the only way this is going to be of any use to you is to acknowledge your vulnerability and, right. and the grief you're experiencing and the loss you're experiencing right. and privately first on paper. Right. Wow, that was a, that was a whole new thing for me, okay. as it is for many people okay. coming into the intensive journal process. Right. So after you did that initial journaling, were, were you, you know, hooked? did you kind of dive right into the world of intensive journaling or was there... Um, you know, was it was it as soon as you took that first one, you're off to the races, or did it take some time to Great think question. about facilitation and Great all that question. stuff? Great question. Yeah, because it was so new, mm -hmm. um, and we were in the area of the Fritz Perls Gestalt psychology, which right. is an old school. But here it is again about talking about one's wholeness. Um, mm. That yeah, I spent that weekend. And doing the first workshop, which is called Life Context, 12 hours of intensive writing, mm -hmm. and a little bit of reading. We don't call it sharing. You right. just get the opportunity to read something that you've put on paper about yourself into what we call the sacred space. Right. There's okay. going to be no feedback. There's no chitter chatter about it. Yeah. You just get the chance to read. So that first weekend was intense because uh, mm. it was... And it, partly because it was so new. I mean, right. who, who does therapy like this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, apparently very few. Um, so it probably was another year. I went to two or three more workshops. There are, in fact, three in the series, three 12-hour yeah. right. workshops. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were typically done over two-day weekends. So it sort of had a middle-class quality, you know. People could afford uh, to come, uh, mm. first of all, and spend two days at this. Um, so it took me about a year to actually get in all three of the workshops because I sort of took a break then and went another month or two before I took the second workshop and, and so on and so on. Right. Um, and so at the end of that year, I'm going, wow, this, this is something. Right. Um, and it was very useful to me. I didn't really think about uh, adopting it as a, as a method of, of being a better pastor or of being a counselor. Sure. I was just thinking, this is for me. Right, for me, I'm getting something from this. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. right, this is working. So uh, long story short about that, it's a great question, Blake. Um, it probably took me two or three years okay. at, in that model of weekend workshops. Okay. Um, and so then in that process, I um, uh, immigrated to Canada in 1979 and continued my workshops in various cities. You had to go to a city and right. find a location. And okay. So you had to travel and you had to pay. And so you started making a destination. Um, exactly, yeah, I'm going and doing these. Exactly. Okay. And it took that period of time before it began really then to generate this sense of while this is a whole new way of thinking about my life narrative and the way in which it's a resource for me, not an enemy. Right. You know, okay. That I, was th I had the opportunity now to begin processing, wait a minute, I have a story to tell here. Right. Uh, and though I'm not uh, ready to, I, I think, well, I, maybe I should be writing a book. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I started on that, in fact, and I still, I've written a lot. Right. But as I um, began getting myself certified later in Canada, 
to do this, the book became almost irrelevant. Right. It was more about, no, wait a minute, this is another way to return to my original life mission of being of service to right. others. Okay. Uh, okay. Being a, a pastor again in a different way. So how can I give other people the experience that I've experienced, exactly essentially? Exactly so. Right. Amazing. Yeah, exactly so. Okay. Without lecturing. And right. Without yeah, in a, a completely different way. And in this, yeah, yeah almost new unorthodox uh, way of, of doing Very it. Very unorthodox. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, and it does explain, you know, to me, or it, it helps me understand, you know, the passion that you have for this. So obviously having those deep personal connection yeah. and, you know, impact on your own life, obviously yeah. that makes it so much yeah. uh, more impactful when you're, you know, facilitating these sessions. Sure. So and we'll say a word about this uh, at some point. When people say, well, how can I learn how to do this? How can I be become a facilitator like you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, we have to go into some detail about um, it's not a simple weekend workshop that you learn to do right, this. Right, yeah. This takes time yeah, and not usually runs about f f anywhere from four to six months right. of processing your own life narrative right. to be able to sit in a room and to do be this. at that place, yeah. right? Amazing. So I think this would be a you know a really good time to to dive into the the program itself and and you know you're you're mentioning it's uh you know and it started off as these you know workshops these intensive you know two day workshops or whatever they were yeah. um, and there are three modules to to this program can you uh, talk about that a little bit sure so the, each of the three modules is twelve hours long um, okay and so the standard way of doing it was on a two day weekend you got in twelve writing hours right. over two days, you know, right. because it, um, you had to have lunch breaks and, and right. so on. So sure. it, it took the full two days. And that meant that over time, uh, that's going to be three weekends at least to get the whole meal Experience. deal. Right. Okay. Right. So, yeah. So what happened then as, I, as I, I moved to Canada and got myself certified to do this, I was thinking about that model, which is still used in the United States. Uh, if you want to participate in the Intensive Journal program in the United States, you got to find a location, first of all, one that's close mm -hmm. to you. You know, it could be Philadelphia or Chicago. And, right. and then you got to pack your bags and go. Right, yeah. And find yeah. a hotel and, and blah, so blah. So this is a, it's a big commitment. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and frankly, they're struggling with it a bit there. Since COVID, people right. stopped traveling. People right. stop going to those workshops. But in that process, as I um, began thinking of adapting how this might work in, in Canada, uh, I, I was a, a member of the uh, um, what's called the Restorative Justice Coalition at the Federal Penitentiary. I was okay. going out on Wednesday evenings and sitting and chatting with guys in the Federal Penitentiary about their experience and and I was just a volunteer, okay. and I was here to learn about the, your experience as prisoners because I wanted to um, uh, change the Correctional Services Canada system. You right, know? okay, <laughs> sure. Because it's not a pleasant. It's it, not right, a pleasant it's a, yeah, process. absolutely, yeah. So the more we chatted, and every now and then I would mention this Intensive Journal thing, and they said, well, why, is there some way we could do that here? And I said, I don't know. Well, we have to. So long story short, at a meeting with the administrative council at the prison, including the parole officers and correctional officers. And I said, I've got an idea about what would be useful for these guys in here to uh, do some restoration of their own personal, often tragic narratives right. to help move through their cycle of recovery and return to the community. And they said, yeah, okay. Well, I said, I need two days. Right. Uh, Two full uh, days. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Uh, the silence in the room <laughs> was not deafening. <laughs> right. You could hear eyeballs rolling. You right. Know? Right. Like, that's never going to happen. Anyway. Right. So they said, well, it sounds like an interesting program, but that's you're only going to get two hours once a week. Right. And so I gulped. And because uh, I didn't have my boss's permission. To do any kind of adaptation. Right, okay, but okay. But I said, I'm going to take a chance. I'm just going to do this, yeah. yeah. And so they signed up for it. Um, and the first 12 weeks, we do this in 12 weeks. We, we do only the first two workshops for them. Right. Um, we're, we're making a plan to do that, that, that third part of the cycle. But what we discovered 
is w- in the in the first two workshops, roughly twenty four hours of writing, okay. two hours once a week. The guys were getting it. Okay, they were. It was astounding to watch. Uh, I was so um, unnerved by the fact that, that I was only going to get this two hours. Right. But I said, all right, let's get started. Let's, let's just see here, what happens. Here's yeah. the first two hours. Here are the writing prompts. There's about four of them per each two-hour session. Sure. Know? So we're, we're shooting for 24 different writing prompts in right. the workbook. Okay. Uh, and we start off at the surface about you know what's going on in your life now. Um, just do some writing about that and, and going into some detail. Um, well, long story short, um, we've had two borderline miraculous things happen inside the penitentiary. The first was I said, if you can't guarantee the privacy of the journals for these men, we won't do this. We can't. Right. It's not going to work. It, it will not work, which is unheard of in a prison. I mean, they're right. th- constitutionally, they're guaranteed their privacy. But it's prison, right? You know, and there's no guarantee any time a parole officer or a guard would snatch up somebody's writing and read it. And right, that would just kill the whole thing. Yeah, we're getting ready to start our ninth year this year, Blake. Wow! And we've had not one violation of that privacy protocol. Wow! Okay, they so they to. they held to it. They held to it. That's amazing. And so. Um, again, long story short, the guys who have completed the program and are out on uh, out of prison now, um, over nine years, we've done about 160 guys. Um, we've only had one guy return to prison. Wow. One guy for a little minor violation. Those are astounding it's numbers. It is. It is. And... Um, I'm having difficulty with the publicity coming out of the pen because they don't, uh, out of the prison officials. Right. Because they're also closed mouth. They're very private, as they should be, about identity mm. and so on. But that's a high rate of success right. for this program. So, COVID hit. And then, I, since I had this little two-day model already going, family caregivers said, Hey, could we do that for folks scattered across the province who are isolated because of COVID? Could we do it on Zoom? Right. Long story short, we did it. Okay. We did the same 12-week cycle, two hours, once a week. And so then new roads. I went over to New Road. New Roads was just getting started. Our therapeutic recovery center here in Victoria. Yeah, really, our place. That's right. And they said, what are you doing over there? Okay, so you're catching wind, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So we got started over there, and now we're starting our sixth year at New Roads and had the same kind of success. Um, Guys get involved in the program. and uh, the, the briefest anecdote I can say about it is it, al- almost every time when we do the first session, the first two hours, when we explain there's going to be no talking in here, mm-hmm. there'll be occasional readings if you want to, um, and you're going to follow these writing prompts, and they're about 15 minutes long. As soon as I give the first writing prompt, every head goes down, every pencil goes down to the paper. And they start writing and don't stop until I say, okay, time's up, next prompt. Right. It's so immediate. Right. And I remember that from my own experience. You know, this is the yeah. first time in the lives of these people that no one has said, I'm going to interview you. Right. <laughs> and you're going to have to explain to me what, you, what right. you've experienced. Right. Um, th- it's such a relief to them. Right. Um, because most often... They're headed for a diagnosis, right. you know, yep. a labeling, right. which they hate. Or being misunderstood or being in misunderstood. some way. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Right. Yeah. So all of a sudden, this is this personal experience that, hey, yeah. I and I have the direction. I get to steer the ship, yeah. as it were, yeah. on this. Yeah. And I was surprised. Um, and I, I so appreciate your first question about my own experience here. Mm. I was surprised. I was kind of... Uh, 
feeling a little intimidated about, you know, what do these guys want to hear from me? I've never mm. been in prison. Right. What's this got to do? What, what's my credentials for being in here? Sure, yeah. Well, as soon as I began the writing prompts, and it was my voice and a little explanation about my background, uh, they, they could kind of read my body language that right. I had been here. Right. I had been here, not in prison, Mm-hmm. Except in my own prison, right. in my the narrative, the, the prison of my own narrative. Right, they got that. Right. So, uh, you know, when you were starting these workshops, obviously, you know, these are some challenging, you know, clientele, and some of the, you know, filled with a lot of yeah. uh, trauma that has, you know, been incurred, and a lot of, um, you know, um, complex, you know, issues and challenges in their life. Um, how you know you're saying like right away they start writing do you feel like it takes time for them to really buy into the process um how does you know how does that work you know to get everybody on the same page and going yeah. is it something that just happens naturally or does is there some nuance to to how you great question great question they get the process right away they love the idea that i get to tell my story without anybody asking any questions or judging it or analyzing it. They right. get that immediately. Okay. What takes a little bit longer, A, in the prison, is to trust this privacy thing. Right. You know, the first session is okay. The guard's still up. Yeah. Gotcha. The guard stays up for a while. Uh, now, into our ninth year, right. that period of time has shortened because the reputation we have in there is this guy says you got privacy, you're going to get it right. in this journal. So, but it's still um, a, a very personal kind of risk you're taking. And vulnerability, especially in a prison, can be dangerous. Right. You know, you Absolutely. just can't be sad or, or sorrowful or right. nobody's interested in your story. Right. Well, here's this environment now that... Um, the first person that needs to have this interest in your story is you. You get to tell your own story right. without any judgment or, or, or any. It takes about the third session before I begin to feel the vibe starting to grow in the group. Okay. Um, because it's then that we start offering the opportunity, and it's always voluntary. Incidentally, all these guys are volunteers. Right. They, they have volunteers. They're, they're signed up to do this. this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have to say that to the parole officers, even though the parole officers now like the program. I say, do not force anybody into this. Right. It will not work. Right. So Yeah. It can't it be a forced march. It cannot. Yeah. Um, so as they begin to write now, about the third session, I will start opening the floor and say, would it, if anyone would like to read from the passage of what you have just written, and sometimes it's a fairly intimate passage, you know, about... Um, um, n- name a period of your life in which significant change took place. Something of a traumatic nature happened, and we want you to write about it. And we ask you to write some details about it. The people who were there, what were you going on with your body, uh, a variety wow. of details. Okay. So. When I say, if, if you have something written there that you are interested to read aloud, you, you only can read it. You can't explain it, mm-hmm. either before there's or after. Right, there's there's no no context other than what's on the paper. Exactly. Okay. You get to read it, and so it limits the time, you know. Right. No, we don't want to be going on a long skate. Right, know? yeah. And so we focus on periods of your life, <coughs> because the tendency is to want to go back to all the the nasty traumas, you know. Right. So and, let's uh, let's focus in on yeah on one piece on of this, this on this particular aspect of your life sure. and at this t- particular time. So in the, in that third session, you begin to get a couple of brave ones, you know, who will say, uh, "Okay, I, I I think I'll read." Right. And they say, "Fine." And then they read, and we say to them, "You're reading not to share." You are reading into the sacred space of this peer support group. And so there won't be any feedback. Nobody's right. going to tell you about 
how, what you ought to do about this, you know, right. or how you ought to feel. So no reflection from, no. from okay. Absolutely none. Right. Um, and so as soon as the other guys hear that, oh, this is my chance to say some things. And, and they start not with the, with the nasty bits at first. Sure. They start off with just kind of, is this really true? Can I really say this out loud? Right. In some some testing of the waters. Yeah. yeah. So in that process, then, Blake, what happens is I never have to say anything about confidentiality, which mm. is a, a kind interesting. of interesting phenomenon. Yeah. Because the other guy sitting there know this guy has just up done an uptake on his own vulnerability. Right. He has just stepped into this space. So it's there's a, a degree of respect that's given to this. Right. Degree of respect. And I'll say some more about that later, about the way in which I have learned about the importance of that peer group. Right. I say to the guys, I'm not here to teach you anything. I'm here simply to enable you to do this writing. Right. Everybody writes about the same aspect at the same time, but it's your own words. Mm-hmm. And the safety part of it is you don't have to write anything down that you are uh, very, very anxious about and don't even want to consider. But mm-hmm. that starts to happen about session six and seven. Okay. They begin to get even more intimate with right. their own story. Okay. So after they read, um, there's three pieces of instruction. We say, first of all, make the note right there in your journal that you read that out loud. What you got to do is say, and we date everything. Okay. On this day, I read that little piece of my life into this sacred space. Then I say to them, and there may be two or three readers, Mm -hmm. after today's session, go back to your room. They're they're housed in in housing units. They go back to, and I want you to read this aloud again to yourself. Find a private space. And then, Record two things. Record the emotions you experienced when you wrote it hmm. in some detail. Don't just say, well, it was uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah, say, right, right. Um, the grief was unbelievable. You right. know, or the shame I felt. Right. Or so expand, dive into dig into it a little bit, into lean into it. it. Yeah. But uh, privately. Right. Nobody needs it's on your own terms. The second thing we want you to do after you've read it aloud to yourself again is make the note, what does it feel like to read it? Two right. things. Two things. Yeah, it's very different getting something on paper than to actually read it back and then actually you right, read look it at it through a different perspective. Absolutely. So the, um, let me just get to this point because this is the universality of this process, whether we're dealing with uh, uh, prisoners who've been incarcerated for a long time, mm-hmm. who have been through awful early childhood traumas, the same with a lot of folks who are suffering from addictions of either substance abuse or behavioral uh, misbehavior or isolation is in the care uh, idea of family caregivers. Sure. That what's going on here is this experience of things I, I hold within myself to which I become prisoners. Mm. My shame, my fear, my grief. So in the case of all three of those categories, we are asking people to revisit your emotional life, your inward life that's going on while you're experiencing this. Because in the case of those prisoners, They've had to abandon almost all of their inward emotional right. life. Out of survival. Out alone. of survival. Absolutely. Yeah, just keep your mouth shut and right. nobody cares. Right. Just shove it down yeah. and, and get through the day. And that happens with folks who are uh, uh, recovering from addiction. You know, the, mm. the shame they're carrying, the Absolutely. grief, the loss. Absolutely. That they begin seeing the way in which they have disconnected themselves from it. Right. And so part of that writing is the relief now of getting to at least on paper say, oh my God, I can't believe I 
tragically bad, you know. Right. And it's still with me. I still right. feel the grief. I still feel the loss. Right. So, so honoring that, honoring, you know, Absolutely. what has happened and the emotions attached to it exactly. instead of shoving it down exactly. and, and, yeah, and minimizing or, yeah. And the, and the plus here is that peer group. Right. It's an amazing phenomenon that happens because, the, as we've already identified, nobody's giving you any feedback. Nobody's right. saying anything. Yeah. But the vibe in the room changes. Okay. That's why we call it a sacred space. And why I never have to say anything about confidentiality. Right. Everyone in the room knows, oh my God, uh, we're on holy ground here. Right. I have no business ever telling anybody what that person just said. Ever. Right. right. Very powerful. Mm. Um, yeah, so this is a different kind of peer support than, than we're used to, exactly. right? So, you know, yeah. obviously, you know, in, in the groups that, that we hold a lot of is it's conversational, right? Where you are getting feedback and you're feeding yeah. off of each other and, oh, this resonates with me and that yeah. kind of, that's my experience in this yeah. way and, and yeah. that's how we build that peer support. So this peer support model is, is unique to, is. to this, this process, it isn't is. it? And here's my learning from that. Yeah. I've always talked about being empathetic. You know, mm -hmm. and the difference between sympathy and empathy, right. which Brené Brown talks a, sure. a lot about, and the significant difference in them, is that a lot of times those uh, uh, crosstalk conversations are about being sympathetic. You know, right. oh, that, you know, I relate to that, or I've had that experience, and here's what I did, or, or whatever. The empathetic experience is one of, um, and I forget who said this. It might have been Brené Brown. She said, um, the empathic experience I have here is recognizing myself in your story. Right. That there's a deep spiritual, emotional connection that happens when I listen to you talk. Not because I'm judging you or assessing you. It's because right. bells go off inside of me. Right. Wow. You know, it's sort of the old there but for the grace of God right. kind of thing. Right. And nothing's to be said about that right. other than this is now I understand empathy. It's right. not about hugging you or giving you high fives. Right. Or it's about it's just internal. being yeah. with you in this sacred space for two hours. Right. You know? Right. Um, and they get that. They get that. I mean, these people across all that entire spectrum mm -hmm. family caregivers recovering addicts prisoners the isolation they have lived with um, right that's that they now see an opening I, I, I always love um, uh, Leonard Cohen's line about that there's the darkness where the light gets in right that here I am listening to this dreadful story and suddenly my heart opens. Right. That's a whole new understanding whole, right. of peer support that uh, has been uh, so exciting for me. It's right. the reason I come back to these sessions time after my wife kept saying, doesn't this exhaust you? Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Well, You're, you know, I've always been amazed where you say this this energizes you. And, and I guess it's being witness to that experience, uh, right, or to that. Time. So it must uh, be very tangible what you're it is. what you're witnessing. It is. Yeah, and that's that was Dr. Progoff, the inventor of this uh, process, always used that phrase. What we're doing here is making the intangible tangible. Right. It, we speak of it as a spirituality or an emotionality, or and we don't know quite how to manage it and how to deal with it. Right. This is one of the ways. Right. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Cool. And and I mean, you know, what like I said, it's this has definitely been uh, you know, a group that the feedback has, has been quite overwhelming. Like, you know, it just the the, mm -hmm. the positive effects this has had, you know. So obviously mm -hmm. you were at, at um at the jail and then you're at New Roads and Family Caregivers and you've kind of come into our fold like we were saying these past couple of years and yeah, yeah. we're doing these, you know, uh, yeah. journaling sessions and, and how we run it is, you know, we run a, 
a couple of the introductory sessions and then we offer the intermediate and we've just had our first uh you know uh third module uh, you know, of folks that have gone through all three modules yeah. um you know for me you know there's a couple things that that always stands out is you know yeah the the retention rate, the amount of people that actually see this program through, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. considering this is a voluntary program that sure. folks are signing up for, it's, you know, free, uh, you know, um, that umbrella covers the cost. So this is, you know, it's no money coming out of, of their pocket and they still show up time after time. So yeah. right there is, is testimony alone. But then yeah. also, you know, speaking to these individuals, they're going, wow, like, you know, I had, I had one guy who said, I, I don't know how to explain it but something changed <laughs> and and uh, i do get that a lot where people actually can't put to words you know what what is you know so special about this experience sure. but sure. they know that there has been a shift in them and you know and yeah. and i i think you're, you're totally right there's this you know this reflection i i think making you know some stuff that might be locked down deep and and actually being able to bring this up to, to light in a, in a safe way and in a way that uh, is directed by you. I, I think it gives agency back to the individual, whereas a lot of times when we're seeking support, yeah. we are almost giving up our agency. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's so spot on. I, right. it's, it's been in the last two or three years I've come to see that, that what we have robbed ourselves of is our own personal agency. Um, not really being aware that we have become, uh, I had a family caregiver say this to me, a fellow in a, a men's group. Mm. Uh, he was saying, oh, you do this, one of the fellows in the group said, you, you do this program at the prison, don't you? I said, yeah. And he said, well, what's that got to do with us? And this older fellow whose wife had just died mm. said, uh, he spoke this fellow's name, he said, uh, Rob, what we all need to understand is that at some point in our life, we all become prisoners of our circumstances. Right. <laughs> and I'm right. going, wow. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, yeah I'm going <laughs> to write that down. Right. Because that's what happens. And so um, the, 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 the dialectic process that the typical um, clinical counseling takes place is important in some sense. That is to say, while I'm traversing this, I need a relationship. I need right. somebody I can talk to. Uh, but it's got its limits, you know. When I, hmm. uh, especially if the if the counselor, for example, um, and and this is why we do the training, the train the trainer thing we do is so important that you must get familiar with your own journal here. Right. Before you can do this, because oftentimes, with the very best of intentions, you're asking questions of someone who's suffering, and they will say some things that frighten you that right. you haven't really dealt with. Right. And so, without even being aware of it, you'll start steering the conversation away from that. You know? Right. For your own protection. For your yeah. own protection. And I've right. had several people. Um, including uh, prisoners and some folks at New Roads and, and Umbrella Society, say, I, I find it so disappointing that I will say something to my counselor, and they say back to me, well, do you want to say some more about that? Right. And I'm going, well, yeah, but what about what I've already said to you? Right, yeah, can we dig into what I said? <laughs> right. Yeah, really, right. wait a minute. So I think it's a testimony uh, you you put your thumb right on it. Uh, regaining my agency here. Right. That I must recover my own participation in my healing and stop waiting for somebody else to quote unquote help me. Right. So in the case of the intensive journal, I, I get a lot of credit. People... Uh, I mean, I fall in love with them, they fall in love with me because right. it's yeah. so intimate. Right. Right. When... The reality is, yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a nice guy and I mm. have an interesting voice and I can do this, but it's really the structure of the writing that right. enables them to move ever steadily more inward. Right. And, and in a trusting, safe way, you spotted that word exactly, right. it's safe in here. Right. Uh, and I get to decide whether or not I want to read or whether sure. I, I want to venture into this. Or, hey, I'm keeping this one to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. Exactly. But 
as you've heard witness, people say, I can't explain to you exactly what happened, but I've changed. Right. Something has happened inwardly for me. And it, it, it's kind of a marketing problem for me because right. I can't explain it either. Right. You know, other right. than to say, come on down. Come yeah. on in the room. And Give the it a try for yourself. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like saying to somebody, well, yeah, I can explain a lot about how to swim to you, but until you get in the water. Right, right. <laughs> you, you we can talk, right, absolutely. Yeah. It, that's, a, that's the complexity of the process. Uh, and then it, when they get into it, the simplicity of it is just beautiful. Right. I mean, this guy, Progolf, he was a practicing psychotherapist, and he gave it up because he was asking people to do written homework mm -hmm. about the work he was doing with them. He discovered people doing the writing were getting better, faster. Right. He said, oh, something to this writing. Right, okay. <laughs> so, so he developed it into this 36-hour uh, right. process. Uh, well, I, I love what you say, too. The this, this simplicity of it, I think, is also very, you know, because it's accessible to all then when it's it simple. And, it and I, you know, I feel like, you know, in the, in the, the world of recovery, you know, um, I always say that I think people are, are looking, at it, you know, for this deep, complex solutions. Yeah. And I always say, this isn't rocket science. It, it is not. It, it, there is a simplicity at its root, yes. but it's having the courage to be vulnerable and actually access, yes. you know, um, you know, the, the challenges that you're, you're facing sure. in your life and, and, and yeah. you know, really be real and authentic with what's going on with you emotionally Absolutely. and, and yeah. everything else. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love that simplistic view because yeah. I think, you know, a lot of times we can overcomplicate, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. and you kind of said like the, the clinical intervention sometimes, right? It's so, you know, overcomplicated. It is. Yeah, this is not rocket science. It this is not. Is right. At, at its core, this is, this is something very simple and this is, human, sure. you know, a, a very, a very human process. Sure. You know, and I think that that's what it does is it retains the human uh, value. It does. Know, and, right. and it, with a recognition that, that we swim in a very judgmental culture. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that... Shame just is just always lurking, right? You know, all about the mistakes I made, and how could I have been so stupid? And and then we start hiding things even from ourselves. Right. Know, oh, I didn't really do that, you know. Or right. let's you know, just let's just shove that down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's keep moving here. Right. Yeah. 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 Until they discover that even in. And that's the, that's the uh, unique part of uh, intensive journal as opposed to sort of regular journaling or diary keeping mm -hmm. is it's very reflective. Right. You know, we say, we're going to go back to some pieces of your life and you get to decide which ones, but we're going to look at them closer again. We're going right. to take a closer look at what really went on there. Gotcha. And that's where that writing, they begin to say, oh, wow, I forgot about this. Or I forgot mm -hmm. about that. Or, oh, man. Uh, I often use the example uh, because uh, it, it, it has happened to a lot of folks we see. Uh, uh, some of the early childhood stuff, you know, especially mm -hmm. around sexual abuse or, or, or physical abuse or abandonment, mm -hmm. that as they're writing about it, they begin seeing aspects of it that they hadn't thought about. You know, right. I often use the example of children who have been sexually abused, for example, by a, another family member or a neighbor or, you know, whatever, as they're writing about it, it occurs to them, wait a minute, what? I keep blaming myself for this. Wh where was my mom in right. this? Where was my protector? So all of a sudden it's reframed. Reframe it. Right. And what a relief right. that brings, you know. Oh, my goodness. Here I've been carrying this whole load all by myself right. in deep shame. And suddenly, I don't need to be doing that anymore. If I reframe it, maybe I don't need to relive it exactly. <laughs> in the same way, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Cause Interesting. Until I do Actually that. Actually release that. Yeah. I am a prisoner right. of my own emotions about it. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so recovering of that personal agency is mm. absolute at the center of this. I appreciate right. you yeah. spotting that point. No, totally. And uh, yeah, I, I remember I was speaking to someone who had taken the, the course and, and they, they had a profound experience where there is something that happened in their life that they didn't think 
was impacting them profoundly mm -hmm. until they started writing about it. And then all of a sudden they kept on re remembering. I kept on going back to this one <laughs> moment or this one, uh, you know, incident that happened yeah. or this episode in my life. And all of a sudden realizing this is having a way more impact. So they didn't even realize, exactly. you know, there's this minimizing, I think a lot of times of feelings and sure. emotions and, sure. and recognizing that, Oh, hang on a second. This is actually impacting me more than I ever thought I was. Absolutely. You know, your brain can tell you one thing, but you know, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, yeah. it's, you have to trust what you know. And I guess this process brings that out. It does. It right? does. And I get a, a surprising number, and it's growing, of people mm -hmm. who, having finished the second series, you know, have gone through mm -hmm. the twenty-four hours, saying, "Oh wow, I'd like to learn how to do this." Right. And what often I hear in that is hey, that bit of shame that I've been hiding away is now an asset for me. Right. My recovery from that is a way of, I need to not only stop hiding that, I need to be just telling some other people, right. this is who I really am. Right. And, and with, with a certain pride and joy and, and spirit, what I call spiritual strength. Right. You know, they yeah. suddenly discover, whoa. It's empowering. Yeah. yeah. Very empowering. Right. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you're doing, uh, you know, uh, you're a very, very busy, <laughs> busy man. And, and, you know, definitely, uh, you know, I'm always blown away. We, we, obviously there's, there's costs incurred with the program, but you pretty yeah. much, you know, doing this for gas money, you know, it's, it's yeah. a real vocational, uh, you know, thing for you. And, and for me to see how, uh, you know, uh, committed you are to other people's personal growth, I think is, is amazing. Mm. Um, I guess you're doing, uh, yeah, all these groups, you keep on taking on more and, and you're doing the, the, you know, you have your community, uh, you know, sessions as well. And, sure. um, you, you know, at, at some point, you know, recognizing this is such a strong program. There's, this is, yeah. this is proving that it's working, yeah. um, you know, for, for our population, uh, sure. for, you know, for a, a wide, wide range of, of individuals. For sure. Um, you know, I, I foresee this is something that really should be kind of spreading and and yeah. and growing yeah. you know you're, you're just one man uh, you know obviously there's there's a, a need for yeah. for more people to kind of get into the facilitation side of things sure. what, what does you kind of talked yeah. about that at the beginning what what does that process yeah. entail if someone's yeah. you know gone through this and like man i yeah. i really want to yeah. dive into this what, yeah. what does it take yeah for sure i appreciate the question um and um uh, we do have what's called an advanced studies program. It's what most folks would think of as a train the trainer. Okay. Uh, but um, that original enthusiasm has to be um, uh, uh, enlarged and and strengthened. So what we do, uh, I'm I happen to be the international director of the advanced studies program. So I've got okay. about four people in the pipe. Sure. who are writing these reports. It's, it's equivalent to about a, a, a three-hour credit course at university. Okay. It's the readings and the writings. You gotta, you gotta look at uh, uh, some of the research that Progoff did and, and his PhD he did on, on Carl Jung. You have to begin to s look back and see the shift away from the Freudian diagnostic model. Right. Progolf called this an evocative psychology. It's not a diagnostic one. We're trying to get people's psyche working mm -hmm. for them. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> and so you, you have to kind of see that difference. Uh, okay. Uh, and just w watching a, a facilitator do this, you, you wouldn't necessarily see that. It mm -hmm. looks just like another counseling session. Right. But there's some subtleties there, so we have okay. to learn that. So we've got, uh, I've got one person here in Victoria who has signed on for the Advanced Studies Program, and she is now doing the writing and, and the reading and, and s is sitting in now right. with some of our sessions. So practical application. Because yeah. you've got to do a lot of that. You've got to, right. in order to get qualified, you have to see other facilitators at work. Right. So she has tuned in to a couple of them on Zoom okay. in the United States. Sure. And, and like that, and they have to do the written reports. I've got about three other people, a couple from uh, Umbrella Society, in fact, who are saying, tell me more. Yeah, right. I need to see how this works. So yeah. what I do is I distribute this little ha this handout. It's about six pages that kind of describes, here's here's the responsibilities. This is what you, you urge. Yeah, yeah. this is what you can yeah. expect. Yeah. yeah, and you're going to have to 
uh, there's a price to pay for that. You got right. because uh, uh, I, I do all the grading of the papers and, and so on. Um, and that seems to be the best way to go about this. You know, I have approached some other clinical counselors, most of whom kind of, you know, they see, mm, uh, I don't know if I want to buy into this, you know, because right, right. it begins to, uh, they show interest at first, but it's such a skill shift. It's sure. A, 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 a whole kind of breaking the mold in, yeah, in a sense, you gotta right? Sort of flip this over right. and. So we're in the process of, because that's the limitation right now. I, I mean, I am kind of at the outer limits of my time and availability, right. and I still love doing it. Mm -hmm. My wife's always saying, uh, <laughs> aren't you getting tired of this? <laughs> and uh, and I don't, I'm not. I, other than the, the physical travel and sure, and, you yeah. know, to do yeah. a lot of that. So, so I'm sort of at the outer limits here, um, but it's very sustainable in the short term. But I need to get some people uh, um, uh, certified, right? To sure, get this to kind of keep this going because, yeah, like yeah. I said, it is a worthy program, and and I just, I love that you had the courage to change the model and to make the model more accessible, yeah. and you know, recognizing um, the the importance and value that you know folks in you know in the prison system and struggling with, with addiction, sure. and, you know, are going to, you know, get from this. So, yeah. you know, for me, I, I really, I appreciate the curse because I know that like you, yeah. you've said you know, in the past, it's was, was not exactly, uh, you know, no. condoned, you know, and, <laughs> well, no, and you, and you just, and you just went, went and did it because you saw the, the, the yeah. value in that. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, I appreciate it and, and I appreciate it for the, you know, you've, you've definitely made our community, uh, you yeah. know, stronger and you're, you're, wow. uh, I think that, that I see, you know, the people that have taken your course, there's a, a higher level of self-awareness. Yeah. And for me in recovery, self-awareness is, you know, it's the name of the game. You know, if we Absolutely. can be able to hold ourselves yeah. accountable and, and be aware of, of our own pitfalls and yeah. challenges, you know, that's that's such a key piece to this. So um, I think that what, what you do is really invaluable. Yeah. So I appreciate um, that, Blake. I've, yeah. I'm very grateful to have this opportunity with Umbrella. Yeah, uh, because we we experiment a little a little bit over in our place to say with people who are homeless, and that just doesn't work. I mean, people who are still on the street, mm -hmm. they don't have uh, they don't have the structure. You know, they, they right. need to be housed. Yeah, uh, they need to be detoxed. They need to right. be so umbrella so is sort of a perfect uh, petri dish here for right. us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Said and and you know for us like in those those in that early recovery the, these first couple of years you know the, this is a this is a really vital time where, where, yeah. you know, we need to be trying new interventions and, and, you know, uh, yeah. keeping on working on recovery yeah. in, in a, a whole wide range of different, different ways. Yeah. And so this, you know, I look at this as a, a great option for, for, you know, people. And, and like I said, it's, yeah. it's the proof is in the pudding. You know, we have our, our, um, you know, one month intensive program comfortably unnumb, uh, yeah. the same name as this podcast, yeah. um, uh, that, that you come in and do a session and, and this is, you know, trying to pre give a very comprehensive view on, on all, you know, recovery interventions. Sure. And sure. when you come and do yours, it's always at the end of the course that, that that's one of the big highlights. And mm -hmm. typically at least half of the folks that have taken the program, the Comfortably Unknown program, sign up for your, your program afterwards they because yeah. they're recognizing, man, this is a really amazing intervention and yeah. what I might need right now in my sure. early, early stages of recovery. Sure. So, sure. um, anyway, so I, I think that's, it's, it's a really, yeah. um, yeah, it's been a really nice piece and, and yeah. a really nice option yeah. for folks, uh, you know, in, in, in our, our well, that's a, work. that's a very beautiful and practical process for doing that, doing that comfortably mm -hmm. unknown group. Come on in. You only they're only gonna cost you give a couple it, hours. Give it here. a shot. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna do a little bit of writing, and, and if you like it, hey, you like it, let's dive in a little bit yeah. more. Right? And we so get a, get a beautiful response from those folks. Yeah, because yeah, recognizing that this is something too that some folks aren't ready for, and and I, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. You know about about our place, but also too in, in with our folks. You know, obviously when we're dealing with with trauma and and with yeah. some really challenging uh, aspects of of one's life. 
you know, people have to be ready for that. And, and sometimes folks aren't. And I think we've seen that t- uh, a couple of times. Someone says, hey, I'm not actually I, I'm not ready for that yet. It's true. But then they might come back six months it's later true. going, you know what? I'm, I feel more sound now. And I, this is something that yeah. so, yeah. you know, it's nice to, like no. I said, to have that option whenever they're ready to, to take sure. that on. Sure. Yeah. And I'm so appreciative of the Umbrella Society uh, having that kind of flexibility. I mean, you mm. you've. You've got a huge catchment area, mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a large population out there, um, and you're right. Some of them see this and go, "Hey, that's for me." Until they get into about the third session, and then they're going, "Oh, oh, 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 not quite not yet, quite ready." <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah, and that's so. beautiful because they can um, they can always come back another time. Right. Um, right. Absolutely, so. yeah. Wonderful. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time. I feel like this, this room's heating up a little bit, just <laughs> slightly, you know, it wasn't, wasn't too painful for us here. So, no. and anyways, the, the conversations are always great. You know, I, yeah. I always say that to my coworkers. It's, I, I love having the opportunity. We always, you know, we'll meet and have coffee, uh, you know, once, yeah, once yeah, a month sure. or two. And, yeah. and I just, yeah, I, I really, I really just, you know, love hearing uh, your, your vantage yeah. point on, on yeah. life and, yeah. and, you know, and, and. Well, I'm very grateful for the opportunity, you know, because the complexities make it difficult to help people understand what the heck thing is, this is. Right. So this is a beautiful opportunity and I'm very grateful for it. And right on appreciate your support you know Absolutely. and your uh, um, the way in which you um, do your own management of this process because sure. this is not easy work for anybody to do this right. uh, and yet the only reason you and I do this is because we can see light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Absolutely. It's a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Well, listen, thank you so much for, for coming in. This is uh, going to be the first podcast of the new year. So, uh, <laughs> All right. yeah, really good way to kick it off. So, perfect. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, well, yeah. thanks so much. And uh, yeah, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, Appreciate the yeah. Time. Thanks, Blake. Okay. Okay, thanks so much again uh, to Bill for coming in to this very cold office to warm it up with a with a really engaging chat um you know i i'm sure it kind of came across in our conversation but uh you know it's something to really experience when bill walks into a room um his energy is felt there's just a presence about him that is uh so comforting and and i know that uh our participants anybody who has taken uh, this program with bill uh feels that um there's this level of um just real um enthusiasm that that comes about when when meeting and working with bill so uh really i it was nice to hear the personal side um to bill's story as well into this program what what an amazing um you know program that has been crafted here for for folks uh you know struggling with substance use and trauma um i i think this is something that hopefully we can continue to offer for you know a long time uh coming uh, so if you are interested in taking this program, you can always call our office, uh, 250-380-0595 for folks in Victoria uh, and see when the next uh, session is going to be starting up. Um, yeah, like I said, we're wanting to get as many people um, you know, able to experience uh, this process as possible. Um, and as far as the podcast is concerned, we are off and running again here. We're going to do another stretch before uh, we'll take a hiatus um, until the fall. But uh, we have, have a good bunch of podcasts coming your way. Uh, the next one will be dropping in uh, approximately two weeks time. Uh, until then, um, please remember recovery is possible. Um, be safe and uh, we will see you in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm.